Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Daily French Show. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer. I am back from my absence, and thank you very much to everyone who looked after the podcast while I was away. Today, I'm joined by Terence Corrigan. Terence, thank you for coming on again this week. Good uh, Nicholas, good to have you back. Very good to be back. And Herman van Heerden. Herman, how are you doing? Good. It's a sunny, dry day in Pachastro. Ah, it is a chilly, sunny day in Johannesburg, um, and I am rather jet-lagged because I've just come back from the United States where I was trapped for a few days in the hell that is the U.S. airline system. Um, but I won't bore you with the details of that because it's yeah, it's just maddening. Anyway, uh, let's talk about a little bit what's going on today. I don't think that there's uh, a huge amount of news uh, that hasn't already been covered this week, but uh, there's still some co a couple of interesting stories. So yesterday we saw a scene that we've seen, I think, quite a few times in South Africa, but uh, it's just an interesting case study to talk about this issue. Uh, and then uh, this was in Pretoria, where there is an area close to the Bishop Tutu Refugee Reception Center. It's about two and a half kilometers um, around that, which is dominated um, by many foreign nationals, mostly from Africa. Who have gathered in this area? Uh, they all live together. They they live in you know in housing there, and they also have an informal market there. On Monday morning, a group of people calling themselves concerned citizens, numbering um, maybe a, a, around a hundred or so, uh, began smashing up and ransacking some of the foreign informal traders' um, shops in this area. They uh, apparently took people's brooms, smashed them, uh, destroyed people's stock, ruined various things. And this continued until, well, uh, the police didn't show up to, to chase them away. In fact, local residents showed up and chased away these, uh, these people, suggesting perhaps that they weren't anyone from the local community. Perhaps maybe they were rival informal traders or something like that. But regardless, um, this uh, provoked quite a upset reaction from many of the uh, foreigners. Um, one of them would describe the, the event. He said, everyone took one stick there. We thought that they wanted to beat us. They first came to my table and opened it and threw the plastics away. They damaged a lot of things. Um, another uh, informal trader said, uh, "You they said to me, you people, we don't want to see you here tomorrow. You must go back to your country because you are taking our jobs. I'm not stealing from anyone. I'm not killing anyone. I just seated at my table. I didn't take anyone's occupation. It's not easy staying here. I wake up at 4.30 a.m. and I come here at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. I'm not taking anyone's things. I'm not stealing. I'm just beginning bringing my stock here to sell and I pay for my stock. Uh, another vendor said, it's not easy. We want to send money back to our children to eat. That's why we come here. We feel bad because we want to go back to Zimbabwe, but everything is not well there. So what can we do? In Zimbabwe, there's no money for our children to go to school, to buy food for them. And this is why we are forced to come here. We can go back to Zimbabwe. We are free to go, but we want to survive. Um, Terence, what do you make of this story? It's a story we've seen play out so many times across South Africa. Uh, you know, one, I, I, I'm in that sort of position, I think, uh, that I can really see both sides of the argument. Obviously, vigilantism isn't okay, but I understand why there's so much frustration with such reduced resources. What do you make of this story? 
Yeah, well, this is a bit like um, a bit like Groundhog Day happens every couple of months. Um, that uh, the the foreigners are taking are taking our jobs, and uh, look, it's 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 a symptom of a of a, of a stressed society that uh, you know where 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 restricted opportunities are available, and also perhaps an element of cultural indigestion. It's very easy to focus on um, to focus on people who are. Um, who are, uh, you know, trying to get by. Um, my um, my own my own understanding of it is that uh, is that these informal informal traders do come with with certain advantages, but you know that's that's not some sort of pathology on their side. You know, it's the ability to 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 add and subtract in their heads. I think it was a study about that in Johannesburg a couple of years ago. Um, these are functions of um, uh, functions of education systems, which, while far from perfect, um, give them give them advantages that that uh, uh, that that South African that South Africans lack. Um, you know, worldwide throughout history, there's been um, uh, there have been uh, movements hostile to these kind of uh, minorities occupying particularly economic niches, but. Uh, the invariable lesson seems to be that uh, chasing them away uh, causes more causes more damage than um, uh, uh, than than gain. Um, you know, uh, think about think about Uganda, the expulsion of uh, of its Asian traders, um, something that uh, is universally acknowledged now to have been you know, contributed to 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 Uganda's breakdown. And President Museveni actually made some effort to try and encourage um, uh, encourage the descendants of these people uh, these people to come back. Now we're talking about something on a very different scale, but um, you know I have heard stories about uh, when we've had pogroms against um, uh, against foreign traders before. You know, a couple of days later, people are walking around wondering where they can buy a cool drink. Well, you know, you, you chased away the guys who were selling them, um, and now there's a problem. I think, uh, you know, bringing up the stress society thing, that really is the bottom line here, um, which is that we've got these sort of collapsed societies like in uh, Zimbabwe next door. Thanks in no small part to South Africa's diplomatic uh, support for, for, for ZANU-PF. Mm. Um, but also we've got the, the stress and the difficulties of the South African economy, the fact that resources are so constrained, and the fact that unemployment is you know, 40, over 40%. Um, Kerry, what do you make of this kind of story? Uh, it's it's a, it's a sort of it's an ongoing issue, and I think it's actually probably only going to become larger in our politics. Probably um, in a post ANC world, this will become a major political issue as uh, as the political deck gets reshuffled. What, what do you make of this? Um, no, Nick, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, uh, xenophobic attacks and and looting. Um, on, on foreign-owned shops that has been occurring for the past few decades. But I think economically and socially, things in South Africa have become so dire that, A, it's becoming more easy for people to, you know, shift blame uh, to a more vulnerable group. And secondly, you're starting to see political elites uh, becoming more vocal about this topic, um, usually um, 
at the disadvantage of, of foreigners. Um, you've seen Actionist A jump onto this topic, and that's partly, partially why they've grown to be so popular in Johannesburg. You've seen uh, Malema, who, um, you know, he on the one hand, he would say, you know, um, everyone in Africa, you know, uh, are brothers and we must accept our African brothers and sisters in South Africa. But on the other hand, um, there was this situation where I think he visited some retail stores to kind of see what the percentage of foreigners, um, um, you know, made up of, um, you know, what percentage of their labor force were foreigners, essentially. Restaurants. Um, uh, uh, is it? Okay. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I think with our own CRA and, and IRR polling that we've done, um, we always, you know, annually ask the question, uh, what is the biggest issue that you're most concerned about? Or one of the biggest issues that you're most concerned about um, in South Africa? And usually unemployment is number one. Um, crime and, and corruption is usually two or three. But um, I think with our most recent polling, one issue that has really shot up um, out of the blue um, is immigrants and, and, and migrants. Um, I think this is, as, as things are becoming more um, harder for the average South African, this issue is just becoming more prominent and we're at a very scary uh, moment because that can easily you know, escalate into something bigger. But, you know, I would, you know, just add and and say that the one narrative that we can use to to kind of like counter this hostility to, to foreigners, um, yes, foreigners come with their own issues. Um, it's usually a double-edged sword, but um, usually um, the presence of foreigners have a net positive effect on a, on a country. Some of the most successful societies in the world are immigrant countries. Look at the United States. When you go to London, um, it's very, very cosmopolitan. Um, and some studies that were done by the RR a few years ago showed that um, foreigners here in South Africa do benefit South Africans economically. Um, uh, a third of foreign-owned businesses employ South Africans, so they do create jobs uh, for, for locals. Um, they often have to buy products um, from other South African businesses. And because foreigners don't usually have like the right papers to get bank loans or, or home loans, they, they are forced to, you know, um, rent property from, from um, South Africans. So there, there is a net economic benefit to having foreigners in, in South Africa, but that narrative rarely reaches, you know, locals. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming a big, big issue in South Africa, and it's something that we have to watch closely in the next few years. So there's a detail in the story here about how people in the local community came to the defense of the 
foreigners. And I'm not sure whether that meant that there were that there was other foreigners who lived nearby who came to uh, protect them from the uh, the vandals, or whether it was um, uh, South Africans. But um, I think one of the problems with the way we talk about this issue, Terence, is that it's often set up as a kind of South Africans versus foreigners thing, where it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. Some South Africans do actually um, support foreign businesses because they get credit from them at low interest rates, particularly from uh, like Somali traders who, 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 for religious reasons, don't really like high interest. Uh, uh, the foreign shops often provide goods that people want or need at pretty good prices. Uh, and then you have other South Africans who maybe are in direct competition with hawkers or informal traders or whatever, uh, and they're far more keen on this kind of action. Um, do you think it's worth uh, kind of diving into those nuances a bit? Well, I think that um, a couple of years ago, uh, one of the... Um, uh, one of the one of our ministers said something to the effect of they must understand they're guests here and they can we live in South Africa provided they share their secrets. Actually, there's no big secret what they what, what these communities often have is a high is a high degree of internal trust. This is also not unique to South Africa. The Italians in America in the 19th century did the same thing. I mean, that was why Bank of America started out as Bank of Italy. Um, you know, uh, and it's often forgotten Ita Italian immigrants were very close to the bottom of the heap uh, socially at that time. Uh, Catholic didn't speak didn't speak great English, uh, often associated with crime and very much like like the Irish. Um, Somalis often come here, so, so, same sort of um, uh, same sort of dynamics, but they know that if they if they they uh, pull together, they uh, they uh, can um, can can buy in bulk. Um, there's nothing intrinsically that, that stops that stops South Africans from doing that. There's also, I think, the um, uh, the idea that uh, that. That foreign that foreigners who come here hoping to make a go of it are willing to accept a lot less for you know certainly for a number of years. It was case in uh, in, North, in northern KZN uh, Newcastle where um, uh, Thai, Chinese and Taiwanese businesses were um, uh, were coming in for a lot of flack and um, the idea that they were you know, exploiting the local community until someone went in and discovered that uh, this family from from Guangzhou were literally living in the warehouse. Um, you know, they were saving every every every, um, every every cent they could. Now, you know, you could argue that um, uh, you know, pe locals shouldn't have to compete with that because we want people to have a good standard of living. But you know, that also means corresponding um, uh, uh, corresponding let me call it inefficiencies for um, for the uh, uh, for the local consumer. Um, my own sense is that in order to deal with any problem, you, ha you have to understand it properly. Um, and my own, you know, my own, my own view is that uh, sometimes it's 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 really worth looking at what uh, at what we locals are not doing. And you know, maybe it's easy for me to say because you know I had the you know I had certain advantages and I've got a university degree and whatever, and I'm not I'm not you know competing in a sponsor shop. But um, yeah, you know, uh, really, until until we're able to get some sort of some sort of significant economic expansion going, um, you know, these uh, the, the 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 perception of restricted opportunities is you know is 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 going to be a real one and a, and a and a very combustible one. And yes, you you know you are quite quite correct. I think that the idea that South Africans versus foreigners is, is a um, is a simplistic way of of, of of looking at things. 
Um, look, just just one one sort of final point there. I remember, um, you know, growing up in a um, in a mining community in uh, Northern KZN during the seventies and eighties. Now, obviously, very different society, strictly segregated and everything. But there's often a kind of snootiness, you know, about immigrants. You know, generally speaking, about uh, you know working class British people coming to South Africa. Um, or you know the Greeks who owned uh, uh, who owned cafe as well. You know, uh, these were often people coming with um, uh, coming with skills, uh, willing to you know uproot from from uh, from their social networks. You know, particularly the the more entrepreneurs. And I'm thinking here the you know the Greek cafes is you know these guys have often you know branched out into into supermarkets, and that's not a degree you know. A, a, a sense of entrepreneurship that I think we should we should celebrate rather than reviling. Uh, definitely something to keep in mind. All right, uh, we've talked a lot about this week about the national health insurance scheme, which uh, has been quickly pushed through Parliament. When I went away to the US, I saw load shedding was reduced, and so I thought maybe I was just a bad luck charm for South Africa. But then while I was away, NHI, NHI gets rammed through Parliament. So maybe I'm not such bad luck after all. Um, and the IRR, which uh, which uh, we all uh, work for, um, has long criticised the NHI for many reasons. Some of which I, th I believe already been discussed on the show this week. But interestingly, um, the criticism for NHI is not uh, simply um, on our side of the political spectrum. Indeed, interestingly enough, the EFF has decided to come out and attacking it, despite some of their obvious ideological sympath sympathies for the NHI's uh, approach. Um, Malema, in an interview, said, uh, I believe this was with the Sunday Times podcast, my biggest concern with the NHI is you have to go to a health facility that is close to you to be a beneficiary of such a policy. But we know most people have no such facilities next to them. And if they are, they are not in a better condition. Uh, uh, Malema, however, dismissed any concerns about funding the NHI, simply saying, where there is a political will, there will always be a political way to finance the bill. Where there is a political uh, will, we have passed the first lake. It may not be as perfect as we want it to be, but once you pass that first lake, we will find the money through the state to finance this important policy that will address primary health care. The EFF, in a statement when NHI went through Parliament, called it, quote, a catastrophic development in the midst of the ongoing collapse of the, N of the public health sector. The NHI in rhetoric sets out to right the wrongs of inequality, access to health care, delivering universal health care coverage, while in essence it is far from those aspirations. On countless occasions, the EFF has highlighted the problematic clauses within the bill and its fundamental position on the developing of a national funding pool. This is precisely because the health system of our country does not need a national student financial aid scheme style funding system to resolve the crisis of debilitating health care that plagues our country. They go on to complain that uh, by leaving a profit incentive in the system for some private health care providers, um, presumably by you know still having the existence of private health care providers, that so this will create perverse outcomes. Um, Terence, let me start with you again. You talked on NHR already this week, but your thoughts on this? I mean, it's a little bit odd, I think, to see the, NA, uh, the EFF coming out against this, considering that I could very easily see an EFF government producing a very similar piece of legislation, maybe one just a little bit more radical. Um, what do you make of this? Yeah, look, I think I, I think that the the EFF as a party uh, thrives off, uh, off off confrontation. So, I don't imagine the EFF would be um, would, as a matter of principle, want to want to uh, want to come out and support um, 
uh, support anything that it couldn't take direct um, uh, direct credit for. Also, it's been it's changing slightly now, but it's it's uh, so since its founding been overwhelmingly um, an opposition party. You know, those who those have criticised the DA or the Freedom Front Plus or whatever for you know not showing alternatives, which I don't think is entirely accurate. Might want to want to bear in mind that that the EFF has put that onto steroids. Pardon the pun in the context, um, but yeah. Uh, so you know, in a sense, obviously, it's going to um, uh, uh, it's going to do this. It's not going to be it's not going to be good enough or radical enough for it. Um, I would just uh, you know I, I, just a bit of shameless self promotion. Please look at my uh, look at my forthcoming column on Monday where I um, uh, where I talk about how this is. Uh, how this is likely to unfold. Um, I think that one could make a decent argument uh, or a respectable argument, not one I personally agree with, that uh, something like health or education should not be governed by, by, by a profit motive, a question of social solidarity and whatever. Now, I don't personally, um, I don't personally believe that this is, uh, this is productive, but as I say, it's an honorable case, uh, case to be made. The question, the, the the point is that uh, you know, as the phrase as, as the phrase goes, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, um, and I think that no matter how, you know, no matter how much profit motive you try to extract and how much you, you you bang the social solidarity drum, we are working with the state we have, um, and the ability to uh, you know manipulate political influence into some sort of pecuniary gain is is, is one thing at which um, our political uh, our political cost, you know, particularly represented by the current ruling party, is very adept at. Um, this is also not something that is uh, that is unique to South Africa. Uh, control systems uh, around the world have, the, you know, invariably lend themselves to what, one rule for thee, another rule for me. Um, you know, that's why uh, you know someone like 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 Julius Nereri, the ardent socialist conscience of Africa, could die in a private clinic in London. Um, receiving treatment, which I imagine is very difficult at any price in Tanzania. Indeed, Kerry, uh, what's what's your take of this? Um, my think thinking is perhaps that the EFF maybe on one level realizes that NHI is going to be a disaster and wants to get out ahead and say, "Well, you know, we never supported this, so you can't blame us for it." Um, what's your take on all this? <laughs> yeah, they they might be thinking ahead of uh, you know what what this would mean for them if the NHI turns out to be a disaster. Um, I think the the fact that you have a political party that, you know, obviously advocates um, for nationalization as part of their core policy documents, you know, going against, well, not going against, but, you know, criticizing the NHI in its current form, it just shows how um, impractical it is at the moment and how there hasn't been much planning done with how to effectively implement the, the system. Nobody knows really how much this will cost, but we do know this, that this is going to be one of the most expensive endeavors that South Africa will ever undertake. Um, and also the, and I've mentioned this before, the, the, the former health ombudsman, um, you know, he visited every province in, in the country um, to, to see what their health establishments look like and their health facilities look like. And even though he was very in favor of the NHI being implemented, 
um, he said that the majority, the overall majority of uh, the state's public health facilities will not be ready to, to implement the NHI. So um, there's just, uh, you know, it's just a way for the government to try and, and, and score a goal before the 2024 elections. Um, I think they know that, you know, it can't be implemented in its current form, but they just need to, to, to pass that, that goalpost before um, the elections. It's kind of like how we spoke about the police delegation that went to, to China um, uh, a few weeks ago to kind of talk about how to improve policing matters. We don't have to visit another country. To, to see that, to see how we can improve our own police uh, policing or, or health institutions. The answers are very simple. Root out corruption, employ skilled staff, uh, remove barriers that, that uh, prevent us from employing skilled staff, um, better allocation of, of resources and, and funds. But once again, with so many things the ANC does, they don't want to um, implement the, the simple solutions um, because it, it will hurt their own uh, political motives. And instead, we go for this grand major plan such as the NHI and, and, and land reform, expropriation without compensation um, uh, as kind of like quick fixes. Um, to to problems and and also very very populist in nature so that they can kind of like you know keep above the fifty percent um, uh, at the election but yeah it's uh, uh, I, it's quite a thing that the the EFF is now <laughs> criticizing um, the the NHI um, but but yeah uh, uh, I what I would love to see those more criticism from private healthcare institutions and 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 from yes. business come out a little bit more against it. Yeah. yeah let me just uh, uh, let me just piggyback on what um, on what what uh, Harry said there that um, we've uh, the the for for this to be to to be implemented. If it's done incrementally, which is the only way it could possibly be in, be uh, uh, be, uh, be implemented successfully, I think step by step it would sh you know it would show up its weaknesses. Um, however, it would be it would be reversible. Um, you know, only so much damage can be done with uh, with each step. Now, when this plan was what was first mooted about uh, fifteen years ago, there was a suggestion which I think was backed by the then Director General of 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 Health, uh, but. But but hazy in my mind that this must be done as one big bang. Now what is that? Now uh, uh, how how would that be different? Well, you know, if everything has changed at once, it's it's a lot more difficult to to to, to roll back. And then you've sort of um, uh, you've got the systems, you've got the resources in your hands. And I, my sense is that that's probably what the uh, uh, what the EFF would want, and it would want to be um, it it would want to be in in in, in charge of this. Um, you know, at the at the risk of sounding like a like a McCarthyite, but sometimes even McCarthy was right. Um, 
uh, Lenin said something about the need to crush um, uh, uh, to crush czarist counter resistance. So you know you had to move decisive, you know, decisively against your opponents, and I think that's very much the way that that uh, that that the EFF would like to um, uh, would like to bring this in. And I and I will also maintain the following: in order to understand this, you've you've got to you've got to you've got to formulate it properly. The NHI will be a new state-owned enterprise whose sole function is to collect and spend money. Nothing else. This is this isn't necessarily about you know what happens to your private hospital, or you know, this it's it's about the money. Understand that, and you can see where it's going. This is kind of like ESCOM without the power stations, just the ability to spend the money. Close to nine percent of G of GDP. One almost one in every ten rands going through the economy. That is yeah. a lot of fun. And yeah. if you can't yeah. see the problem there, you haven't been paying attention. And you're going to suddenly see the uh, the fight over who gets to be the health minister. I think intensify quite a lot uh, because when you're dealing with that kind of money, your uh, the temptations to perhaps if you're a senior ANC politician to maybe dip your hand into that a little bit here or there. Um, it's not. Don't so... be so cynical, more. <laughs> Me cynical never. Um, okay, we don't really have time for another story. So thank you very much, everyone for listening today. Um, we hope that you found the show interesting. Uh, I will be uh, back hosting it uh, for the foreseeable future. We are going to be um, continuing with our uh, Daily Friend Wrap, which is the shorter version of the show that we've uh, debuted uh, an episode on the channel. Um, there will be more of those going forward, so keep an eye out for those. Uh, and with that, I hope that you all have a wonderful and excellent day. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>